Um, thanks very much for the invitation. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. And what I'm going to talk about is remind myself. Whatever it says on the tin, that's what, I, that's what you're going to find inside the tin. I'm going to talk about what the Northern Ireland public thinks about power sharing under the current um, arrangements. And power sharing is a word that's often used about Northern Ireland politics as if it's almost unique to Northern Ireland. The terms Northern Ireland and power sharing kind of go together. Um, and obviously power sharing is a core component of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement. But it's good to remind ourselves the obvious fact that power sharing exists in all democratic systems. And power is shared to some, to some extent wherever you'll find democracy. And this is particularly pertinent in a lot of European political systems which have proportional representation voting systems which lead to multi-party coalition governments and that obviously manifests power sharing when you have coalition governments. That's usually seen in stark contrast to the, the Westminster model where you have a first-past-the-post or plurality electoral system which often leads to uh, one-party government and it doesn't look as if power is shared terribly much if you only have one political party in government but even there you do have coalitions from time to time such as the Conservative Liberal Democrat uh, coalition and so power sharing isn't a particularly novel or unusual thing you get it wherever democracy happens but the consociational inverted commas difficult to say especially if you're not allowed water in the room <laughs> um, consociational power sharing is a particular form of power sharing that is, is, is unique to, to Northern Ireland um, and is different from the typical way that power is shared in democratic systems mainly because elected politicians are formally categorised into one group or another group when they come in to Parliament. They're formally categorised or designated as unionist or nationalist or, or neither. And that's, that's the thing that doesn't happen in typical um, multi-party democratic systems. And it's that, it's that formal categorisation into particular political groupings which drives the consociational power sharing in Northern Ireland. And it drives, the designation drives the sharing of power in a number of ways, so in terms of who the Prime Minister or Prime Ministers, inverted commas, are. So you have the First Minister from the, the largest party and then the Deputy First Minister from the uh, largest party of the next largest designation. And these are kind of legally co-equal. So an obvious initial manifestation in power sharing consociational style is Northern Ireland. So you've got basically two equal premiers. And uh, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes the, the new laws or the legislation that's passed is directly as a, as a function of having to get support in each of these formalised designated political uh, groupings. And the third way in which Northern Ireland is kind of unique um, is the manner in which the government is actually constructed. The, in a typical European party system, if you're a party leader, and there's an election and you win, a few, you win a few seats, you're kind of hoping, like all politicians, to get into government. And you, have a, you typically have a chance to get into government after the election if you try to persuade other party leaders to team up with you to create a coalition government. So in a lot of political systems where power is shared, a political party has a chance, if it plays its cards strategically correctly, it has a chance to get into government. Whereas in Northern Ireland, if you get any number of votes at all, you have a right to go into government. Not a chance, but a right. 
And so the manner in which cabinet portfolios are distributed results in an all-inclusive multi-party coalition government via the Tehant, um, I won't go into that, uh, at least I pronounced it correctly, the Tehant uh, portfolio um, allocation system. Um, this type of power sharing, the consociational type of power sharing that we have in Northern Ireland, obviously has supporters and, and critics. There's arguments in favour and against this way of, way of going on, and arguments for and against um, these three particular components of how you construct the premiership, uh, how you pass legislation through the cross-community vote, and how you structure the government. And typically supporters would say, well, if you have a historically deeply divided polity, such as we have here, um, maybe it's you know, a good idea to include the adversarial or the rival political groupings when you're constructing a government. Maybe it's good when you so do to assuage the fears of each political group by essentially allocating or affording veto power over legislation to each group. And it's probably a good idea to be as inclusive as possible in the government structuring process by having as many parties in there as possible. That all sounds kind of good. The critics say that all sounds kind of good, but it leads to problems because if all of the parties are in government, you don't have anyone in opposition, so you can't hold the government to account easily, so you have accountability issues. If you afford veto rights to formalised designated political groupings, then you get policy gridlock and nothing gets done. And if you have a government that's dependent on the agreement of the two co-prime ministers to function, that leads to instability if one or other don't want to do it. Um, as has, has been uh, noted in the, in the kind introduction, we're at the 25th anniversary of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement, so it's opportune to look backwards on how we've got on with power sharing and to look forwards with respect to how it might function in the future or might be tweaked or uh, changed possibly in some way. And I want to do that with respect to what the Northern Ireland public actually think about all of this by answering or trying to answer five distinct questions. So what's the, pub, what's the public's overall evaluation of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement since 1998? Do people think power sharing has been good or bad for Northern Ireland? What do they think about this strange way of um, constructing co-prime ministers? And what do they think of essentially legislative veto powers or cross-community votes? And what do they think about the manner in which an all-inclusive coalition is, is constructed? I want to use um, survey data that comes from a project that myself and a number of colleagues in Queen's are involved in. And this comes from a large-scale survey that was conducted of the Northern Ireland adult population directly after the May 2022 Assembly election. And this included 2,000 respondents from across Northern Ireland and is represented, representative of the adult population in terms of basic demographics and is politically representative in terms of those who participated, voted or didn't vote in the election and what their first preference vote was. The first answer, I was going to say a question, but it's an answer to a question that I want to put up. It's a really simple opening question about, so, you know, what do you think of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement then? Um, it, it, the question is phrased a bit more elegantly than that and in the, 
in the, when the final briefing paper is, is published, you'll see exactly word for word what the question wordings are for all of this. Um, but basically, people were asked, what do you think about the Belfast Good Friday Agreement? And the first option is, do you think it's, it's the best way to operate and it shouldn't be changed at all, it should stay the way it is? Is it the best way to operate but some changes might be a good idea? Or, more negatively, should there be substantial changes or we, I don't like it at all, it should be removed? And the overall public in Northern Ireland are quite positively disposed. 26% say it's perfect. 44% said it's basically very good but it could be tweaked. 9% say substantial changes. 5% say it should be removed. And at the bottom row, I provide a net score, which is the difference between a positive response and a negative response. So you have a plus 56 balance of opinion in favour of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement. And we see, if you follow that row along from left to right, the results are broken down by three um, groupings of the public, people from a Protestant background, people from a Catholic background, and people from other. And you'll see that there's a overall positive balance of opinion in all three of these groupings towards the Belfast Good Friday Agreement, but particularly so amongst Catholics. So basically only 1% of Catholics say it should be removed entirely, 5% say substantial changes, and pretty much all the rest of them say it, it's grand the way it is, leave it alone, or maybe some little tweaks. So overall positive, but a bit of variation between groups. Another pretty simple and straightforward question was asked, which is power sharing. Is that a good thing? What do you think? And um, what you find here is that people have a, generally a positive disposition towards saying that power sharing is a good thing. More people agree with that statement than disagree with it. Um, so you have 13% strongly agree, 41% agree and a net score overall balance for the adult population as a whole of, of plus 34. And you have a positive overall balance for Protestants, plus 28, and for others. But again, Catholics are a bit more happy about saying that um, power sharing has been a good thing, a higher overall net score. Um, so those were two kind of quite general departure questions, asking what do you think of the whole thing, basically. More specifically, we asked a question about whether people were supportive of the current way in which the First Minister and Deputy First Minister are chosen. And overall, people are quite positive about it. So for the population as a whole, 11% strongly agree, 46% agree, 13% disagree, 3% strongly disagree. So you have a, a reasonably strong overall positive disposition amongst the general public of plus 41. Um, interestingly, there's the same positive disposition for people from a Protestant background and from people from a Catholic background on this, plus 43 and plus 46. Where support levels dip are the people kind of, quote, in the middle or from neither um, background. Now, one can be positively disposed to the manner in which the two co-prime ministers are 
generated, but one could still want to possibly change the terminology that is used to describe the two co-premiers. So we asked a question of the public which says, so what do you think? Should we, should we possibly change the terminology of First Minister and Deputy First Minister to, quote, joint First Ministers? How about that? Or should we just keep it the way it is? First Minister, Deputy First Minister. Or should we abolish them entirely? Kind of nuclear option. And there, in the population as a whole, it was quite evenly balanced. 38% want the joint First Minister, 31% keep as it is. So a slight favouring. Um, Protestants are, are, are a bit more in favour of going for joint First Minister, 41% compared to 28%. And Catholics are exactly evenly balanced. 36% say, yeah, let's change the terminology. And 37% no, let's keep it as, as it is. So um, a bit of variation across what uh, type of community background you're from and not much, not terribly much enthusiasm for, for changing it. In terms of support or opposition to the cross-community vote or essentially affording veto powers to designated groupings for, for certain votes, people's attitude to this is very sensitive to the particular way in which you ask the question. This, this is true at all surveyed questions, but it's particularly true in, in this one. So if you phrase this question in perhaps on reflection might seem a kind of a positive kind of way, which is basically to say, you know, it's, it's good, it's a good thing in Northern Ireland for legislation in order to pass to have the support of both unionists and nationalists. Um, if, if the question is phrased like that, you get quite a positive response. So 8% of the whole population strongly agree, 47% agree, 13% disagree, 4% strongly, and a plus, a plus net balance of uh, plus 38, and positive balance for Protestants and a positive balance for Catholics, and others are much less enthusiastic. But if you ask the question in a slightly different way, and you highlight in the context of asking the question one of the core criticisms of having a cross-community vote, and you say something like, the exact wording isn't there, but it's pretty much something along the lines of, you know, we should, we should maybe think of getting rid of this cross-community vote thing because, you know, it just leads to one group or another just blocking stuff and nothing gets done. It's slightly more elegantly phrased than that, but that's basically the gist of it. And if you ask the question in that way, um, perhaps not surprisingly, <laughs> you, get what, you get a more negative interpretation or negative uh, response. Um, people, people are more likely to agree with that question than disagree with it. Not by a huge amount, but it means that when the question is asked in that way, the overall conclusion is that people would... Um, be more negative to the cross-community vote. But I'm, I'm highlighting the, the sensitivity of, of the response to the, to the question wording. One of the... How am I doing for time? Uh, I'm OK. I forgot to, to, to look when I started. Um, another question that we asked, and this gets at the, 
tries to get at the accountability critique that I mentioned earlier, is we ask people a question about whether or not they were supportive of having a much clearer distinction between political parties that are in government and political parties that are in opposition. And um, generally, the, pop, the, the, the general public are, respond favourably when, when you ask them if they'd like a clearer distinction. Um, so, um, you know, 9% strongly disagree in the first column, 36% agree, and then disagree at 16%, and strongly disagree is 4%. So there's a, an overall balance of opinion um, supportive of a clearer distinction between parties in government and parties in opposition. And interestingly, that's to the same extent for people from a Protestant background. It's plus 28 net balance score, and from Catholics, a plus, a plus 25 um, score. So you could see uh, this as, a, as supportive of either whether you, you could interpret this as a significant change or, or a significant tweakage of the current system to enhance the distinction between parties in government and parties in opposition. We also asked people, respondents, how they felt about the idea essentially of saying, do you want to be just like a normal European democracy? Essentially, we didn't phrase it like that. Um, but is it, what, what do you think of the idea that you can have any kind of a coalition government that can form um, as long as some parties team up together and they get a majority of seats? It doesn't matter who they are. It can be from any bloc. There's no blocks. It's just typical generic coalition formation. And what you find is when you, when you ask people whether they'd like to replace the current system with that kind of typical European flexible free-for-all, the responses are really quite balanced. There isn't a huge enthusiasm in favour or a huge criticism against that idea. It's, quite, it's very evenly balanced, so you have a, a net score close to zero for the whole population and similarly for the others. It, it's basically, people are more or less 50-50 on that one. My last slide, okay. In case you're getting nervous. Um, this last slide seeks to briefly kind of uh, summarise the overall balance of opinion on all the questions that I've briefly discussed um, so far. And it does so by rank ordering the questions from top to bottom in terms of the ones that are at the top are the ones that get a lot of support from respondents and the ones at the bottom they get less support. So the one at the very top is what do you think of the Belfast Good Friday Agreement? And that gets quite a positive response from people. Also, support for the way in which the First Minister and Deputy First Minister are generated, that gets overall, that's near the top, reasonably well supported. The positive version of the cross-community vote question, that's reasonably well supported. And if you ask people what do they think of power sharing generally, that's generally well uh, supported. So you could say that these are all questions near the top which represent support for the status quo, what we currently have. The question that's, that's next there is the question about the government and opposition distinction. So the, the element of reform or tweakage or change that attracts most support 
from the general population and from Protestants and Catholics relates to somehow or other making a bigger distinction between parties that are in opposition and parties that are in government. There's much less overall support for change with respect to the two things that are at the bottom. Um, that's changing to joint first minister terminology and support for um, any coalition. Uh, all of this stuff is obviously from a survey which, as has been quite rightly pointed out, is a snapshot of opinion at an important uh, moment in time. And I shall now uh, hand over to my colleagues Sean and Jamie who will examine public opinion in an uh, arguably more nuanced and richer way. But thanks very much for your attention. Thank you.